Coming to you live from Parkview Studios, the garage. This is the Brothers Catch Up, a weekly podcast where two brothers come together to catch up. I'm Sal Biazzi, and with me, as always, is my brother, Frankie Biazzi. Episode 40, every once in a while, I think we've kind of changed up what we've done on this podcast and talked about different various topics or format shifted or brought in another ideas in this podcast episode as it is episode 40 we are going to stick directly to the current event of the moment and that is the issue of afghanistan and from that issue i want to branch off into everything and the topic i want to present to us for us to cover my brother is the worst of times and the best of times and here's what i mean when i say that obviously i'm referring to war and peace which is a novel that I've not read, but I know a a bit about. Mainly that it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. I think we are living in the worst of times, and I mean that throughout all of human history. And I've believed this for a while. You know I've talked to you about how bad I think things actually are. When we strip away all of, like, I hedge my bets or I say I believe this or that or whatever... When it boils down to it, I think we're in terrible times. Yeah, it's all really bad. I often say that we live in a dystopia. Well, the Afghan issue, I think, sums up a lot of... And crystallizes a lot of why we're trapped in this in this reality that we're trapped in. And then I want to go, because that's going to be heavy, I do want to sum it up on why that there's the potential that we're actually living in the best of times as well. Because... Maybe we do have the ability to set a new course. Maybe we can all recognize the failings of what has been placed before us and address those things if we're all willing to recognize what we're all looking at. We have to be able to see the same picture. So that's what I think we can attempt to do is paint the same picture for us all to see and use Afghanistan as the backdrop or the canvas in which to paint that picture. How does that sound to you? Sounds good. Okay. But I would like to start by saying... Yes. Obviously, if we're going to use Afghanistan as the the backdrop here, we're going to be talking a lot of foreign policy, I'd imagine. It is not my strongest suit. I'm not awful, but I'm also not great by any means. It's not even... So I'm going to attempt... It's not going to take anything more than a basic understanding of what we know to be true about the situation in Afghanistan. It doesn't have to do with any foreign relationships at all. It, we can keep it very simple then in let's, terms of the actual Then politics. let's get into it. Okay. So first of all, you are my brother. We've known each other our entire lives. When I was 11 years old and you were 7 years old, that was 2001 in America. Yes. 9-11, George W. Bush is president of the United States. You remember that at all? No, it's actually really funny. So me and Amanda talk about that all the time, like how she remembers the exact day, um, getting pulled out of school and all these things, and I was like, I don't remember anything. Yeah. I'm like, I wasn't that young. I mean, I was six or seven. Seven years old. Like, how do I not remember that? But I don't, like, I don't remember that day in the slightest. There's nothing about that day that stands out to me. I, I remember 9-11 a lot, and I remember actually the drumming up of war for when we were getting ready to invade Afghanistan. Our older brother did three tours, two in Afghanistan, one in Iraq. Um, 
when George Bush announced that we were going to invade Iraq and Afghanistan, well, Afghanistan first, I was I remember being in support of that, but I was an 11-year-old boy, so forgive me for being swept up in the propaganda of the day. But I also remember that by the time I was 14, I supported John Kerry because he was calling out the hypocrisy and the lies of the war on terror. And the Democrats started that, their anti-war movement started to really push back against Afghanistan. Here we are, fast forward to the events over this past weekend. And the 20 years since, our whole adult life, our mm-hmm. political... It's all we've ever known. It's all we've ever known. And the drumbeat has always been to end these wars and to get out. And we're finally getting out. And that's, and that's been growing. Like, like, I think if you go back 10 years ago, um, I think the people who want to leave Afghanistan and really all the, just the Middle East in general, I think you'd find, I think you'd find common ground among, among independents and just like center-left, center-right people. I think everyone on the left is pretty much anti-war. Um, and then you, you obviously have your people on the right who are pro-war, but not pro-war like, oh, we just need to bomb people. Just like, we can't leave, this is what we have to do. That, that was, I think, 10 years ago, I think that's what you would find. Now, I mean, I think across the board, it might be one of the most, it might be like one of the few topics that we don't disagree on. Like, I think all of us, we may disagree on parts of it, but I think we all can agree that like, these wars need to end. They're ridiculous. We shouldn't be in Afghanistan at all. And then, here we are. (laughs) So, in 20 years, yeah, millions have died. It's a lot. I was actually just looking at, um, like, the total numbers. Some of the numbers are the estimates are absolutely that some, staggering. Somewhere in the range of 50 to 90 percent of those deaths are civilian deaths. Yeah. No. Hold on. Wait. There's a there's a good number. I don't want to say it without looking up. I can find it pretty quickly i think but um i think the number i saw was like four hundred thousand civilians it could be that high but just afghanistan civilians yes no okay well i that was wrong the number it was forty seven thousand forty seven thousand two hundred forty five afghan civilians what's the total number um, but okay, this doesn't have the total number. Wait, 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 wait. We have to point something out. So very early on in the Obama administration, when Obama won election, they ran on the promise of ending the wars and pulling out and all this. And what they did was they recla- Obama was the king of the drone strikes, correct? And what they did is they reclassified casualties and how they counted casualties of war over in the Middle East. By essentially making anyone of fighting age non-civilian death. So that 47,000 number is just the number that... That's like a 90-year-old woman. Someone they can't possibly classify as... As a fighter. But but virtually, the number is impossible to know, and it's way higher than we know. Okay, so... But more so, obviously... Right now, 
Afghanistan is our main talking point. But we're not just in Afghanistan. We're fighting these stupid little wars everywhere. Yeah. In Libya and Yemen, Somalia, all over, right? So just money since 2001 to 2021. Do you know the total number of dollars in the Afghanistan war? Trillions, probably. 2.261 trillion dollars. It's an incredible amount of money. Whose money is that? It's an incredible amount of money. Whose money is that? But think about all the guns. Whose money is it? It's ours. It's ours. Think about all the guns and the the vehicles and the bases that are now in the hands of our enemies. This has been a recurring theme of all of these foreign conquests. All of them. Where we fund and arm the enemy and that we fight an enemy we arm. Well, we create our own boogeyman. Because back in. When did it start, right? When did we start arming the Taliban? Back when we tried to get out the USSR. During George Bush Sr.'s first go, he tried like, to invade... Let's just let's the just then. give them all of our weapons our, and what we have, and they'll do our, our job for us. Until now you have to fight them. And then what did we do? Hey, let's arm ISIS, because they'll take out these groups. And, like, how have we not learned these mistakes that our leaders... Because it's all conspiracy theory. It's crazy. So... That's why I think this weekend presents an undeniable example of how we can combat the narrative that it's a conspiracy theory to say that the military-industrial complex and our foreign wars in the Middle East are a complete grift that's enriching the political class and lobbyists in D.C. while impoverishing the American middle class and the lower classes of this country and murdering people around the globe in our name. The things that have happened in our name should be completely sickening to the average person like it should make you want to vomit to think that every single woman child man son daughter that was killed in iraq afghanistan pakistan somalia libya uh and the list goes on that that's done for you because they think that that's what it takes to protect you when in reality they're trying to they're trying to hold oil fields and poppy fields and sell tanks and 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 F one fifties. That's what it's about. That's that's a Ford. That's a, that's a Ford F one fifty. We know what you're saying. We know what you're saying. No, but seriously, that, that I mean, that's really what it is, right? Like, um, we know we know that's what it is. We and I think we've talked on this podcast all the time about like how we need there needs to be something that unites us. Yeah, and this be- this will be very close to that. Um, except for right now we're going to run into the issue of, like, we have to get through this little bit of a landmine where, like, the morons who are going to blame Trump, those people need to stop. Like, this isn't, a, this isn't a blame game against any party or any individual leader. It is all of our leaders combined. And it's not just the elected leaders. It no. is the elected leaders. It's, like, all, it's the generals. It's, it's, it's the Petraeus. It's the people, okay, it's the people who testified at Trump's impeachment who you would never know their names, but, but they make these decisions. Correct. They work in the State Department. They work in the DIA. They work at the CIA. These people who are supposed to be our intelligence officers and our military, and our military intelligence gatherers and our, our generals and our leaders, they failed. They failed. They, there is a country on this earth that is now a terror state that wasn't a terror state yesterday 
because <laughs> because we can't in twenty years. But the question then becomes achieve a goal. But the, okay, so I've been reading a lot of. I really like reading the perspective of either active military or former military. And not the high-up military. The boots-on-the-ground guys there in Afghanistan, the women who were there in Afghanistan going into these people's homes and talking to them and, and helping them. Really, like, I may disagree with the war and the decisions that we were there, but what, I, but, but what is so important is the people who were there, what did they do? And the jobs that they had. And you know what? You know what they say? They say, we were, we were put in a mission that didn't have any outline goal. There was no defined ending. We didn't really know what we were doing. So what did they do when they were there? They just tried their best to help out this country. And the only way they knew how, right? Like, going into the actual homes of the Afghani people and getting a feel for their country and how can we help and do these things. Meanwhile, the actual people making decisions don't know they anything. Do? They don't, don't know anything. It's all political. It's all political. It's all done for money. It is all done in in the name of these well, uh, now what's happening in military defense contractors. What's happening there right now? All those people that the United States military helps are being dragged out of their homes no. by the Taliban. And they're being executed. Now, and, and of course there is something to say of like, alright, we were there for 20 years, like, how, how could it be possible that within days of leaving, within hours, within hours of leaving, the, the Afghan military, the president, just instantly like, we give up. Because it was never real. It was never real. It was a movie set. It was a stage in which to show, look, America's creating democracy in the Middle East. No, we weren't. We were stealing resources, and we were selling military equipment. And that's why, and that is why... We were laundering money. Former military people are more fucking heartbroken than anyone could possibly be. Because they were the ones who were there, and thought they were doing good. They were, they were to an extent. Yes. And now they see... The people that helped them, the the interpreters that put their lives on the line, they put their families' lives on the line for what? For nothing. For what? Those people are who knows who knows right now how many interpreters are going to be killed in the next couple days, weeks, months, years. And I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, you had to leave. You have to leave. I think you, the planning should have been a little bit better. I mean, I don't think you just see you later. Well, obviously it was the wrong they made the wrong decision because they pulled out 2500 troops and then immediately had to send in 7000 troops. And like the <laughs> and they didn't the 7000 they sent now in there's, were sent into an airport. Can we play audio? Uh, I mean, I guess. I think I think it's worth it. I'll run it by you obviously. The audio from Joe Biden's July 7th press conference being asked about pulling out of Afghanistan and what will happen. Even worse than, even worse than Biden's comments are Blinken's comments from a week before. And then him trying to talk to Jake Tapper yesterday. I don't know if you saw that. Where he's trying to explain that, oh yeah, this isn't, this isn't, uh, this isn't our fault because the previous administration or whatever. Like, this is a plan. This has nothing to do with the previous administration. 
Like that, the, and you were the leader. You won the election, apparently. So if you won the election, apparently, you now have to take ownership for everything. Like that's how this works, right? Like you don't get to just blame Trump. You didn't have to, you didn't have to do anything. You've made your own decisions. You're the leader. You're the commander in chief. You are the highest ranking person in charge. Well, the decision they made immediately You made was, the decision. The, the decision they made immediately was to throw out the deal that the previous administration had made. All right, so I just want to play 30 seconds of this. All right. All right. Is the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan now inevitable? No, it is not. Because you have the Afghan troops have 300,000 well-equipped, as well-equipped as any army in the world, and an air force, against something like 75,000 Taliban. It is not inevitable. Mr. President, thank you very much. Your own intelligence community has assessed that the Afghan government will likely collapse. That is not true. Is it, can you please clarify what they have told you about whether that will happen or not? That is not true. They, so did, not, they didn't, did not reach that conclusion. So what is the level? All right, so let's really dive into the heart of it. Joe Biden has been in elected office at the highest Seven levels months? of our government. No. Since oh, 40 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been... He's been on the wrong side of almost every foreign policy decision. He's been an integral part of the war when he was mm-hmm. vice president. He was an integral part of the war when he was a senator. He voted for it. Mm-hmm. Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Lee, uh, Lindsey Graham, Mitch McConnell. All of them. You go down the line. These are elderly individuals with way too much power and way too much wealth who are responsible at every step. On both sides of the political aisle, George W. Bush and Dick Cheney, Liz Cheney, Jeb Bush, all throughout every level of our government are people, individuals, but also dynastic families who have so much blood on their hands. Mm-hmm. And now it, it, we get to a point where I've been the conspiracy theorist, right? So, like, I've been the person who's been ostracized from polite society or, or having poli- being allowed to, like, express your political opinions because you get banned or you get ostracized or told you're some sort of xenophobe for believing certain things, very fringe things, like the story about 9-11, what we're told is not 100% accurate. Or that... The war in Iraq and Afghanistan are lies to profit rich people for oil and other illicit purposes. Um, I believe it's okay for people to be skeptical of those kind of claims. But I think even if you don't want to go all the way to, okay, Joe Biden is a pedophile, Hillary Clinton drinks the blood of children, Hunter Biden has sex with his niece, you don't have to believe those things. Look at what actually is happening in front of your eyes. Afghanistan has fallen in 72 hours after we spent 20 years and $2 trillion of our treasure out of our, out of our pockets. Our roads are crumbling. Our airports are failing. 2,000 children a day go missing in this country. And no one says a word. We're being told 
to we are being forced to be medicated by big pharmaceutical corporations that have no liability in the repercussions. Well, and this is where this is where it becomes really hard to my anger is obviously placed on those people. But at the same time, it's so hard not to have my anger placed at our citizens that are in this with us who are fighting against they're swimming they're trying so hard to swim upstream to make it like this is this is just what happens you know like this is just government like this sorry like this is just what we have to deal with this is our it's like no that's not that's not how this works like we don't have to take it at all there is no rule book that says we have to take this. In fact, there's a rule book that says you shouldn't take this. You should stand up against a tyrannical government that is sending you into wars. Send your children into wars. They steal your money to fight wars and then use your children as meat puppets to get fucking blown up. And we're okay with it for some reason. And then when they come back, there's and you the, know what? the VA, the veterans, you the know way what? we treat veterans as in this country. As all of this shit is happening in Afghanistan, what do you think What do you think Nancy Pelosi's doing? What do you think Joe Biden, what do you think they're doing right now? Do you think they give a fuck? Do you think they're scared? Do you think they're at all scared that the people are going to rise up and throw them out, of, drag them out of their fucking homes? They're not. They fucking should be. They should be. But they're not because they're protected. They're sitting there. They're... And they make the decisions for all of us. The millennial generation in this country has been saddled with student loan debt. They've been deprived of the opportunity to buy homes and start families at the same way that the boomer generation does. And the boomer generation refuses to, like, to cede power. They're... And the inst- do we even want to take power of this no, institutional I wanna structure? Burn this, I want to burn this, this institutional structure to the ground. It's the only way. It's the only answer. I'm sorry, it is. You can never, you will never, I'm, I've gone so far. Like, there's no way in the world you can convince me. Any sort of government reform, I don't care. Okay, let's vote this other guy. He's going to be a little different. Fuck that. <laughs> no. I think that we're at a, that's where we face the next question because we are looking at a situation where the American the American people do have the opportunity to look their government in the eye and tell them they're illegitimate. I like I just hear okay. The idea of this of this podcast, the best of times, worst of times. The worst of times right now. Look at Afghanistan. Now look at COVID, right? Those are two global things. That are, that are pretty scary. Then you look at, and, I, and by the way, when I talk about COVID being scary, I talk about in all its implications and what it means to our civil liberties more so than the actual virus. Um, and then you look, France, South Africa, Australia, just all over. This is happening all over the world. Now we look internally to the U.S. No one's working. It seems weird. We have big banks just buying up houses so that they could become perennial landlords over everybody. Um, you have inflation that ha- has, is showing no signs of slowing down. Workers are making no money. The federal minimum wage is $7.25. You can't buy a fucking banana for that. Like, there's no good right now. There's none. Like, you, you can't try to tell me that there is. And it's like, 
when you get told like, well, you know, you just got to live your life, you know, you can't worry about it. Fuck you and fuck that. Like, you have to worry about it. Like, I don't understand. I don't know how much longer we can just pretend that things are going to be okay. And, like, things don't get that bad. We're America. They can't go that far off the rails. Is anyone paying attention? Is anyone living in the same reality that it feels like me and you are? Are we crazy? We are crazy. It's, it's, It's driving me insane. And, like, I see it all the time. Like... As a 26-year-old who, when I was in high school, I think I've said this on the podcast, when I was in high school, I was left-leaning. That was not the popular opinion back then. Everyone was on the other side of things. Back then, I went to a high school with, you know, more wealthy kids from, like, well-off families. That's fine. Well, now here we are, and it feels like I'm again on the other side of issues, and it just, I can't wrap my head around how we're we're ignoring it like like no one is talking about it no one really wants to do anything about it and i don't i don't know like the worst of times yeah it's the worst of times the worst of times meaning the ruling class of the globe is consolidating power using Rapidly designed terror attacks against us in the form of covid and now in the form of the military industrial and it's conflict. not and it's not just that you also have like like the real threat of like propaganda like the we media. we live in such a propaganda state that like how do you it's and that's where i go like it's as much as i want to get angry at like the people who are telling us how like we're wrong and this doesn't exist it's like well I should actually understand how you view view it this way because if you're designed, you are being controlled to make it seem like you're right and this is ha- the world that we live in. I just don't know. Like, I don't get emotional about many things. And I didn't think I'd get, like, emotional on this podcast and I don't think I'm, like, going to cry. But, like, I don't see a way out that's not a complete revolution well here's the thing i think that's where we get to the best of times i agree i was about to say it we have the opportunity to look our government in the eye right now and tell them they're illegitimate they failed their mandate the people who are running us right now okay you won democrats joe biden is president i'll concede that you at least have wait that you at least have power in this country right now I don't know if you won the election, but you have power. And in having power, you remove the only outsider president we've had in my lifetime. Good for you. But now because the outsider candidate has been vanquished and you have been able to reestablish the status quo and the establishment into power, you reap the look at let's reap the rewards of what we are. Look at what we are. We are Nazi Germany. We are the big bad wolf. We are destruction. And whether or not we had good intentions, I would argue we didn't and we were lied to. And then over the last 20 years, the fact that we weren't outraged every single day trying to end this disaster earlier was a disgrace on all of us. And now that it's ending, we can finally, we can finally hold people accountable for what we know it all was. And if we decide to do that together, left and right, conspiracy theorists and realists 
whoever you think you are, with everyone else and say, it's both of you parties and it's you old fucks in office. You have to die. <laughs> not me, not the, die. The, no, but go no, no, away. No. The problem Get is out. this. The problem is this. Two, twofold. One, it's never too late. Things, like, it's not too late. We, okay. We should have acted earlier against our government, but it's okay. Yes. We could do it now. We could do it now. And then my criticism of you is going to be this. Stop with the conspiracy theory. Like, just, no, seriously. Like, stop with the term. Like, stop using it. Stop calling yourself it. Like, fucking stop it. Because it's, we're so far past conspiracy theory. Like, there's no such thing as conspiracy theory anymore. Everything. Okay. Okay. Flat Earth, the weird ones, fine. When it comes to what our government does, it's criminal. It's criminal. It it's is a criminal conspiracy. Every <laughs> every president of the last forty years should have been hung for war crimes. It's crazy. Sorry, Trump, you're kind of in there too. Just what it is. It's like, I, it's it's maddening. It's absolutely maddening that like. We have to, we have to somehow shake the fucking people who are still somehow asleep. Where I thought they would have woken up four years ago and they didn't. Then I thought, okay, three years ago they'll wait. No, two years, no, one, no. Like, what is it gonna be? This feels like it. We have to wake up. You cannot allow them to keep doing what they're doing because if you do. You can't let these people remain if you in do, power. My future, my unborn children's future, is over. There is no future. They don't get to have a future. That's what we have. That, 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 that's seriously our decision. And the amount of tweets and Instagram posts and the shit I had to see on January 6th about not the, not the, uh, the insurrection, but the, oh... Uh, we can breathe again. We have a, a president who cares about the lives of other people. Fuck you! <laughs> Fuck you so hard. So hard. The, anyone, anyone who had those thoughts about how, how breathe oh, again. things are so much better now. We have orange men out of office. You should die too. I really believe that. Uh, no, no violence on anyone. Peacefully be exiled to an island where you I'm never just so, I'm just so angry. I'm so angry. And I'm, I'm just angry at all of it. Like, I'm angry at the situation. I'm angry at the people who've given so up this situation. I know an easy way we solve all these problems. And I've been saying it for a long I'll time. I'll edit out that part of me saying those people should die, by the way. I've been saying it for a long time. The easy way to solve all these problems. The government's not allowed to keep any secrets from us. No. They're not that's allowed not to lie the answer, anymore. Dude. It is the answer. No. The answer it's is the answer. fucking government. Well, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, 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 wait. It's not the answer is just no more government. Yes. No, it's not. It can't be. It, yes, it is. Then there's the no way. justice. Then there's no That's justice. That's the justice. The justice is you all get rounded up, you all go to prison, and we're done. We're but, done with this system. But if this there's system no government, work. there's no prisons. Here, here's what I'm That's not true. Listen. First of all, we have private prisons right now. What are you talking about? I understand what you're saying. You're upset. Good. I'm glad to see it. But hear what I'm saying to you. The answer isn't pitchforks and torches and indiscriminate slaughter. No, that's not the, the answer. The answer is not immediate t- 
toppling of structure and civilization. That's not it either. The answer is not is not destroying everything that's been built before us yes, because is. we are upset. It is not to kick over the sandcastle. It is not to knock over the blocks of Legos. The answer, first and foremost, is to figure out what is true and what is untrue. And there is only one way for that to happen. None of that matters. It matters more than anything. No, it it matters more than anything who and what is to blame for what has happened. If we do not know... Everyone is to blame. Oh my God, Frankie. If we don't know what actually took place in these places with the, with our money, if we don't know who is paying for what and why, if we don't understand what dark forces exist and don't exist, we will be doomed okay, to fine, be trapped by fine, that again. Fine, I agree. But, my point is this. Great, now you know. Then what? You keep government? No! Government does this everywhere, every time. Okay, it doesn't work. It doesn't matter if it's royalty monarchs, if it's a elected Democrat. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't Hold matter on. how you do it. Hold on. So, okay, now we know what they did. Now we know every secret. Great, good job, guys. All right, we're just going to switch out the lot. We'll put the new people in, and everything will be fine now. No, everything should work. Not at all. 100% no. Not at all. But the answer isn't... The answer isn't to then just say, no, there's nothing we can do. No, correct. That's not the answer. The answer is there's something we can do. We need to remove the power from a thing called government. Like, you can't have it the way it is right now. Now, what that means going forward, I don't know. But the answer is you need to rip out a centralized government. It doesn't work. It is it is immoral. I think that is the reactionary take. That is not the reactionary take. It absolutely take. is the reactionary take. It's not reactionary, dude. It is. You're it's not reactionary. You. Okay. It's emotional thinking. This isn't emotional thinking. You're so I've been, read, up. I've been Yes, because I'm fucking angry, but that's not reaction. I've been reading the the words of, of fucking brilliant thinkers over the past century who are talking about anarchy. And not like like the word anarchy, it kind of sucks because it has such this like view of like, oh, you just take you just burn everything to the ground and then it's chaos and it's like no like it's it's not how it works and like it's not reactionary to look at historical uh context and go what we have will not work there's no government that works and is good because guess what globally look around we've been saying this look at australia look at france look at all these places it's broken everywhere and but all of Frankie, these places tried different things. Oh my god, dude. Yes. 100%. 100%. 100%. But why is it broken everywhere is the answer to the questions that we're talking about. If the answer is dark money that is centralized by... You're saying centralized power, the root of the problem is government. I'm telling you, government is civics. Civics is okay. Listen, people. Open your ears. Listen. I'm listening. The people who are getting the money, if the financers aren't governments and they're fucking just bankers and the, and the orchestration comes from top down, that does not have to be the fault of government. That does not have to be. There can be good and righteous centralized power no. in different ways that can work because, that, because you're saying look at history. 
No governments ever worked. That's not true, man. Governments work in certain places. Uh, tell me, point to a any sort of government that is not turned into corruption. Now, maybe that doesn't mean government is the corrupt thing, right? You're saying what you're saying. It's this force on government, but that force will never go away. There's always going to be people who can gain by by. By manipulating, um, by, manipulating by manipulating whatever the government the economies is. and markets and governments. How but, do you get rid okay, of that? Okay, that's not necessarily the flaw of government itself, though. It's if the flaw way, of people. It's the flaw of... To, we have to learn from what we experience. We can't... It's not an etch-a-sketch reality, dude. We can't shake it and move on. We have to learn. We do have to learn. The, yes! We have to learn. That's what I'm saying. Like... But the lesson can't be the lesson isn't then to venture out into the unknown by foregoing what we have. Ten episodes ago, you're talking about living in the fucking wild. And I you're agree telling with me that. and you're telling me like we can't learn. But that doesn't just, mean Okay, but me living out in the wild doesn't mean that no governments exist on Earth. I don't listen. The point is this. Everything. Construct it now. Is broken. Yes, I agree. To a point where it is unfixable. Sure. You can't just mend it back and say, all right, we'll go from here. Now, something needs to be done. Yes. We agree with this, right? Yes. Your way of, okay, we need everything. We need to know everything. We need to know. And there has to be actual trials. I would love to know. That's never going to happen. What I want, never going to happen. So what do we really do? All right, so here's the thing. What are you talking about that's never going to happen? Because I'm telling you, we're at a moment, we're at a crossroads right here. We have the opportunity as a country, as a people, to look our government in the eye and say, you are illegitimate. Provide us with truth. Demand truth. Correct. That is an answer. That may not satisfy your need to destroy government. No, but it that's gives not. you the first step, which is understanding how and what actually went wrong. And we can start in the smallest of ways. We can start with Afghanistan. I what? agree with you a million percent. So why are we arguing? We're not arguing. I feel like we're arguing. Well, we're arguing because you, you think somehow that the answer after that is still going to be government. Well, I think the answer after that is then hold people accountable. And then once... Accountability doesn't work! Yes, it does. Wait, what are you... Sal! It's the only thing that Where works. was the accountability when we started this? What are you back, talking about? Back in 1776. Like, the Constitution, the Bill of... Like, that was accountability. Okay. But they didn't... What happened? They didn't destroy government. They weren't like, okay, well, we're anarchists happened? now. What happened over time? How did we get here? Where was the accountability? At what point does it fall? Well, that's what I'm saying. We need accountability. Okay, so There's then we put no so then we put accountability in. Okay, things go great for 25 years. But you're but you're skipping a step down the line. You're you're off. You're off. You're not listening, and you're off. I'm not saying. Okay, we figured out the root of the evil was like Hillary Clinton and John Podesta, and that's it. I'm saying, understand who and what did wrong here. Start with Afghanistan. And then, from there, we can extrapolate how bad our situation is. We have seven countries we are at war with right now. We have an election that was clearly stolen. We have Julian Assange, who's been 
in essentially solitary confinement for 12 years without ever being charged with a crime. We need to shake the illusion of our perceived reality and live in the real world where there is a dystopian world war one world government that disregards human rights and the american constitution that controls our judges and our local politicians all the way through to our elected officials in washington dc and understand the magnitude and the scope of that reality before we then say Government itself is the problem because the problem might not be government itself. The problem might be human nature itself. And if the problem is human nature itself, we need to reevaluate how we look at government and how we do government because there might be ways in which we can implement government in a more humanistic society, but we have no idea because we don't even know who the actual villains are because propaganda has poisoned each and every one of our minds. And I understand why you're angry. I've felt as angry as you feel right now. I've thought a lot of the things that you're saying right now, but I do not think the answer is to just, in a fit of rage, jump to anarchy, even it's though... It's not a fit of rage, though. But even though... This was a a step... This has been stepping stone after stepping stone. This has been a path. But the fit of... But I... But I, what I'm saying is the fit of rage is deserved. Like, we could be angry. We should have fits of rage. No, I'm but in angry. that fit of rage, we can't just burn it down. We can't do that because if we just burn it down, we're going to do we're going to do more harm than good. What we have no, to do is be tempered and measured. You wouldn't do more harm than good. We have to be bigger people. How we have to be. There's no more harm you could do. There's no more harm you could do. Yeah, you could turn into what we're fighting. No, you couldn't. Yes, we could. No, you couldn't. I think that's dangerous. Like I think that's dangerous. I think if you I think spending another day in our current system, is the most dangerous thing we could do. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong that with that, but the answer, but again, we're fighting tyrants. We're fighting. We're not we're fighting, fighting anybody. We are spiritual. That's the biggest. That's the biggest thing. Is we're this not is, fighting. This anybody. is a spiritual and information war right now. And that's bullshit. I fucking hate hearing that. I, I hate when Tim Pool says shit like that, too. Like, no. It, it ain't gonna work. We can we can keep doing it, but, like, I don't know if you've noticed. Maybe you have. You've been online for a while. Has it worked? Has anyone fucking changed their fucking mind since any of this has started? No! The information war is stupid. It doesn't do anything. Like, I'm sorry. Like, like, there needs to be an actual movement here. And there's been nothing. There's been nothing. I don't know how you say that. I think that just this moment with Afghanistan alone proves that the information war is 100% real. They're losing control of the information. The truth is what defeats them. Joe Biden isn't hiding trying to figure out how to write a speech that's going to spin this in his favor. He can't. No, but that's the thing. Is he Our can. job is to raise he the can. awareness. He, he can. can't. You think he's going to come out and give a speech and there's not going to be fucking thousands and thousands and thousands of people who are like, oh, he's so good that Trump really You're just really fighting for the margins, man. You don't need everyone. You don't need everyone. You need to wake enough people up and everyone that you wake up doesn't go back. And our numbers grow. People understand. People know that this was terrible. 
Why was it so terrible? Well, it wasn't just Trump. I mean, he was there for four years, but for 15 years, it was Democrats and Republicans who hate Trump and are unified in that. Joe Biden was in the White House for eight years preceding Trump. Yes. He oversaw this directly. He was the vice president under Obama's drone strike policies. Yes. He was in the Senate when we when he voted for the war. Absolutely. So like Joe Biden, like the idea of like blaming Trump is crazy. Where's the blame on Bush? Where's the blame on Cheney? Where's the blame on all of these people? There's so many. But that's There's why I'm so saying many. But that's why I'm saying let's get to okay, the accountability. So if we did accountability, right? And I actually I actually I will give you this. I was very angry. I wasn't listening. The idea of okay, start with Afghanistan, right? We go through and we go, how exactly did this happen? Who's involved? Why did it happen? Okay, great. You wind up putting from that I can't even imagine the number of people that go down in that. And then you move on, war to war, 9-11. And you go through, you can go through the list. We'll go work our way back until everyone who's not, who's still alive is imprisoned. Yeah. And then, you know what's going to happen? There's not going to be a government because everyone's going to be in prison. <laughs> like, that's what's going to happen. Well, that's what I'm saying. Well, then, what, but see, here's what I think will actually happen. Because I think it'll only take you a little bit of time looking into the Afghanistan snafu before you get into 9-11 because... That's what it's all based on, and then you get into... If we start getting into actual truths here, and we get to those simple truths alone, I think the American people would be very unified in their desire to seeing their entire government ejected from office and replaced with something else. And I think that gives us the opportunity to say, what is it that we can do differently in order to be a better system, a better society? Is there one? And if there's not, maybe it is we get to what we're talking about with burning everything down and living moving towards a more free market anarchist spectrum. Every time I start to to think maybe, I go, no, there's no way. Because, like, look at how many people believe what happened on January 6th was an actual insurrection and, like, how awful that was. There's so many people who believe that. That's, like, the majority of people. I don't think that's true. Feels like it. I don't think it does. I think it does. I think... I think if it's a big if they the amount of people who said like you can be angry with your government like you can't do that you can't possibly storm the capital these are the people that you need to hold these people accountable I think people are going to want accountability especially they don't they they don't clearly I think they do. I I haven't seen the country so united over anything politically in a Correct. long time. It's it is it is shocking. And I think it's but important. I am, but I I can see the future. And, like, the future is just Joe Biden giving a statement in, like, three days. And everyone will be satisfied and say, oh, I don't think Trump so. did it. I don't think you can. Because it doesn't change what. I hope act- I'm wrong. I really hope I am. I don't think you give enough credit for the fallout of what just happened. I mean, I. I will say, I saw people I never thought I would see, like, calling for Biden resignations and how awful this is. So, yes, it's touching parts of of society that I haven't seen get political or be on 
the same side of an issue as me. And I hope it matters. I really do. Like, I hope that that matters and it leads to um, accountability. At least, at least the start of a unified front to figure out what's going on with our government. Our government in... We have, but, like, then, like, I just, I can't get hopeful because I don't think there's anything to be hopeful about. Because we have a governor who killed his own citizens and then had to resign because I had nothing to do with that. It's an unjust world. Like, he resigned because, oh, he was touching women. Listen, that sucks and that's creepy. Fuck that guy. He shouldn't be doing that. But, like, also, he killed people. Like, there's blood on his hands. So, like, there's no justice for that. And that's such a... And that's that's a smaller scale, but it would have been easier to do. I feel like it would have been pretty easy to be like, Hey, uh, Governor Cuomo, why did... Why'd you do this? You can't do that. You're in power. Come on, that's crazy. Alright, get out of here. It's going to be a lot harder to go president, ex-president, ex-president, vice-president, all these things and go, you guys, we, you have to go now because look what you did to Afghanistan. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean it from the sense that if if everyone recognizes that this is a tremendous wrong and embarrassment to our country... And in a just world, we'd be mad at everyone, regardless of the, po- po- you know, the political affiliation. And these, are, and these are like, this is why like everything's a political issue now. Like this is why COVID is a political issue. It's because anything that they do, and by they I mean the government, all of them, anything that they get involved in, in the slightest, has to be a political issue, because everything that comes out of their mouths disagree with, don't believe, can't possibly trust because they fumble and fail. And fail is such a... I don't even like the term fail because I don't think they fail. What like, if I think that everything is done by design. Like, Afghanistan is not a failure. This was, is exactly what they were I was trying of, to do since day one. I was one. thinking of this idea as an alternative system. Like, what if we had... There's no government in terms of like elected officials. But like for every, for everything that the public wanted, the general public just vote. You vote for the corporation that would give you that service. At like a state level, does that make sense? So like, like you, let's say you did it at a county. It's it's almost like what happens now where the government goes seeks private bids. Dude, but everything just, should just be a la carte. Like, I will pay for this service. I will not pay for that service or that service, but I'll pay for this service. But I'm talking more like, okay, who's going to provide the electricity for... See, it's impossible to do that. Well, I was going to say, I was almost going to suggest like you run like a country club. Where like, <laughs> all the members like have a say. But then like, I worked at a country club. It's Guess terrible. what? <laughs> Guess what? Uh, there's like a president and then there's a board. And like... They'll, they get what they want every time. Doesn't yeah. matter what the members want, like, because that's just how it, it works. Is, yeah. But and that's what I mean by like, 
I kind of do think it's just like it, I think it's both, right? Like I think it is both human nature and government. But like human nature is I'm in a position of power. I can do what I want now. <laughs> like I know I said I was going to do good by everyone. But this but now helps I'm here, me a little bit. <laughs> and like it's not that bad for everybody. But it's really good for me. So like we'll just do it once. We'll just do it once. And then we keep doing it and it gets to the point where we're where we're at now and it gets so bad. Well, yeah, I mean there's Yep. <laughs> I mean you're right. Like it's crazy. I'm crazy. I think that this has the potential to start the ball rolling in the right direction. We can I agree. all unify. But I thought that for years. Let's, this is this is different. I'll 100% with you there, but this is the time where we all can say, "Hey, they're all corrupt criminals. Stop being ruled by corrupt criminals and then go from there." The first thing is to recognize there's a problem. Second thing is to figure out what the problem is. The problem is, really, is like I think we've all recognized there's a problem for like before I was even born. Yeah. Like I'd like to imagine, people in the same age group as like our parents, and then like a little bit younger. I'd like to imagine that they. I mean, it feels like they knew that there was problems before I was here, but like they didn't. Like no one has done anything about these problems. I think people don't realize, haven't yet realized the the depth of the problem. problems. But now we're seeing it. This is, this is what evidence. Happens. This, is this is what happens. 20 years. Your taxpayer dollars, your your kids' lives. Absolutely wasted. It's crazy. All right, we got to go. I feel like that was just all bad times. We didn't even get to good times. No, but the good times are that, if, is that we, get to ch- we get to change it. We have the opportunity to, in, to figure out what went wrong and and correct those mistakes. We need a new industrial revolution. Like, industrial. like the en- no, no. I, I'm just saying something like that. Like at the end of the 19th century into the early 20th century. Like we need to to regain that that sort of economic growth and that incredible success of this country. How you get back there has to be through what we've been saying this whole episode, which is the accountability. Like, yeah, like you can't. We're not going to get there by just I slapping think, band-aids. I think we prematurely surrender to China and become uh, very insular for like a hundred years. I kind of, I kind of <laughs> don't hate that. Like, why not? Bye, China. We'll still trade with you guys. We want nothing to do with anyone. And if you come here, we're going to use our guns and shoot you. Please leave us alone. It's become a rogue state. Like we don't. We're like the new North Korea. Like we are our own thing. Give everyone like a year. Like like, hey, this is happening next year, this date, this time. If you don't want to be part of it, you can leave now. All right. All right. Bye. Good night.
You don't have to get that close. Like, you don't have to put it in your mouth. Like, it's, like, it's just stuck anyway. Welcome to After Sports. Sorry for making you all that. Look how, look how, look at this. I know, but we do it every time. It look sounds fine. Look how loud it is. It's going to sound great. It's just one giant sheet of blue. We don't need any You haven't done the intro yet. This is, this welcome, is the intro theme music. Welcome to After the Squirt Sports. I also don't not, don't I don't think I have anything I normally say. Well, usually you are a little enthusiastic. Yeah, normally I do like welcome to after the school, but I didn't feel like doing that because it was so loud. It's not that loud. It, it see this when it goes like this. That's well, it's, we're past it. But that's clipping. It clips, but it doesn't actually sound that bad. It looks like it. It sounds bad. pretty good. Well, if you listen to the podcast, you know it doesn't sound that bad. I don't like listening to it. Yeah. Host your segment. After the Squirt Sports presented by Ball Shavers. You need to shave your balls? Use our shavers. Why are there so many ball shavers on every podcast? podcast. So annoying. I know. Every podcast is the same five advertisements. About ball shaving. It's ball shaving. Mental health. Mental health and clothing. Yeah, some sort of suit. Sometimes it's a... It wasn't for a while the Quip toothbrush. I don't remember. I re- yep, Quip was there for a while. I refuse when we eventually when this podcast is eventually gigantic and we're just raking in the cash. Yes. I refuse to take ads from anything other than like guns, golf manufacturers. I think I'm gonna go with the two thousand dollars Smith and what uh, nineteen eleven instead of the fourteen hundred dollars nineteen eleven. You're going with the which one? The more expensive one? Yeah, like the $1,800 one. That's yeah, probably not the smartest. <laughs> anyway, um, on today's episode of After the Squirt Sports, it's exciting. We have preseason football, Yankees and, we've got, and we've got Yankee stuff. So where do you want to start? What would you like to talk I about? I would like to talk to you about my lord and savior, Tua Tunga Viola. All right, preach. Preach about Tua. He looked great. I know he threw the pick. I don't care. It was good. And everyone's like, oh, you, you're apologist. You're excusing the pick. Like, what am I supposed to do? Okay. Am I supposed to say, hey, in the first game of preseason, don't be aggressive and throw the ball to your backup, backups tight now, end? he clearly on that play had, like, this slight moment of hesitation where, like, he saw him, didn't instantly throw it, and then threw it, and that was the difference in that pick. If he doesn't make that little hesitation, but- it's just money. But it's like, I'm not that it. worried about it. The placement of the throw was good. He looked confident in executing the play. I think the hesitation is real, but if he's throwing the ball to Devontae Parker or Fuller or Waddle uh, in a real game, first of all, it's a real game. I don't think he's actually making that throw. Correct. So I think he's smart enough to know, but I think in that situation, you know, the offense was trying to move the ball in the, in the first game of the preseason. You take the shot. He was killing him with window throws that hole. He was hitting, he was hitting dimes. So I, I was very excited with what we saw. And I was even more excited with how the defense looked without any good defensive player. Do you follow John Greenberg or know who John Greenberg is? I do not. All right, so I'm assuming he is the Dolphins guy Okay. for the Athletic. Okay. His, idol, his article that he wrote after the preseason game was, Dolphins' Tua Tungavailoa showed he was in control but not perfect in preseason debut. It's a great article. And, like, that's his take should be what everyone's, if you're a fan, should be everyone's takeaway, which is, like, he looked good. The team itself looked okay. He didn't have his top receivers, and that's fine. And 
he was he made smart decisions, good decisions besides one throw. Who cares? It's crazy how the Dolphins. And it's fa- preseason. The Dolphins fan base has always been toxic, but it's crazy how negative this fan base is and how it seeks out negativity. It is weird because like I don't like the Dolphins fan base. Um, it's not like the Yankee. Like I love getting involved with like Yankees Twitter, Yankees Reddit. Because for the most part, as shitty as Yankee fans are, it's like a different kind of shitty. It's fun. And it's fun. It is not fun to like be Being in the Dolphins mix with Dolphins. So I like I kind of am on my own when it comes to the Dolphins. Dolphins fans in almost every situation are the worst. They're, They're terrible. so bad. Yeah. But, listen, I'm excited, and I can't wait for our next preseason game. I can't wait to see the... I really just can't wait to get to the regular season. The only I think it's so annoying the way that narratives are constructed in the preseason football season because it doesn't matter, especially that first game. Like the only thing that mattered was that first quarter and a half when Tua was on the field and the starting defense was on the field. Then when that first wave of starters comes out, it matters so much less. But we still looked really good in that second wave. When our third stringers came back in, most of those guys are guys that won't be on the team. Yeah. We got thrashed by the Bears, and so Which the narrative gets said is the Dolphins look poor, and they're and Justin like, and Justin, and Justin Fields, Fields is a star. It's, it's like, like Justin Fields couldn't get yards with our second string defense, and he thrashed our third string defense, who aren't going to be there. And Tua looked really good against the Bears. Here's first the takeaway. Here's the takeaway. You just look for improvements. Yeah. The things I noticed improvements on from Tua were. The decision making was so much quicker. He was moving there the was, ball down. There was a play. It was a a little out to um. I don't know who caught it, but it was like a little out play on on the left side of the field. And when he actually no, I guess it must have been on. No, it was definitely on the left side of the field. So he they snapped the ball. He instantly looks all the way right, and he goes through every single read. And finds the fourth, it was the fourth read. And he finds it within a millisecond. Like, it was so quick. It was so well done. I'm like, he didn't do that last year because he didn't have the the preparation, the practice. He had a full full tra- offseason. He's had a full training camp. Now he's in preseason games. He didn't do any of this last year. The pick doesn't matter to me. He got us in the, the red zone. And then, like, the people were saying, like, oh, well, he didn't score a touchdown. We ran the ball... Every time we got into the red zone, we ran it a yard. Our running game and our offensive it's line it's awful. were very concerning. The O-line wasn't that bad in regards to pass pro. They, they were was, good, though. They, it was, was okay. under pressure constantly. It was okay. But if we really want to be good offensively, I think two will be fine and be great. But what will stop this offense is going to be if we continue to not be able to run the ball for the what feels like the 30th year in a row. I don't get it. How is it we never are able to run the football? Well, hopefully... The philosophy of, like... This is the only problem I have with, like, Flores and Greer so far. This philosophy that, like, it doesn't matter who your running back is. Like, anyone can do it. It's clearly not true. But I don't think that's really their philosophy. It feels like it is. No, because... They they, had two seasons where they could have drafted a running back. They tried to in both both situations. Ah. They They got beat out... For J.K. Dobbins in Tua's draft. Because we know that they were trying to get him. They didn't get him. But they didn't want to spend the high picks for him. They were hoping Correct. he would be there yes. late. They learned the same lesson twice in this past draft. With Najee. they missed Najee Harris. And then they missed that other guy. And they missed the kid out of NC What's State. His name? I forget. But he was 
high on their board, supposedly. Yeah. He was, they were next, and they got traded in front of yes. and he was gone. So I think they look – they have, a, obviously, a value they put on running backs, and they don't want to go above that value. But it's not like they're like, no running back makes a difference, because clearly they think that those players would, would make have made some it difference. Uh, it just seems weird that, like – they just have Gaskin. We're just running out. Nobody's at running back, and they're not. Salvin Ahmed caught a touchdown pass. He looks good every time he's on the field. He's not it's hurt true. now. So. We'll see. And, we'll see. And, but, again, it's preseason. I'm not that worried about it. And if you're a Bears fan, you should be excited. You should be like, hey, Justin Fields looked great. Justin Fields did look good. He looked good. pretty good. Um, just not against our actual yeah. defense. And also, like, I do think the Dolphins' <laughs> defense is going to be a top-10 defense. Like, oh, it, yeah. I think we're going to be so good. Like, Our so, team looks really good. I'm so excited. Dude, Javon Holland is... I have is, high expectations. Javon, you, Javon Holland is sick. going to be everything I thought he wasn't going to be. So that's really cool. Because I didn't think he was going to be that good. You know who balled out, too? That. If they call the whole season the way they called that You're game, either going to say Eric Rowe or Nick Needham. Needham. I Rowe thought, looked good, too. I thought Rowe looked great. But Rowe is always good. Dude, Rowe is... Rowe is good. Rowe's a good player. Yeah, but need us. Yeah, we have good corners. Our whole our secondary our whole defense, is awesome, dude. And that's why that's why I'm really excited for if the, the only next... thing we don't really have on the defense yet that we don't know if we have is the pass rush. Well, we, that's why we put resources there. Well, that's why I'm excited to see like in the next preseason game if Jalen Phillips Phillips actually gets a couple defensive series. I think he could be a, I think he could be a game wrecker. I really do. You don't. He's need, so you don't athletic. Need, you don't need much with oh. the way our cornerbacks and oh. linebackers can cover. Jalen Phillips, I think, is going to be. A game wrecker. Remember, in this past game, we didn't have Van Ginkle, we didn't have Howard, we didn't have Byron Jones, we didn't have Baker, we didn't Jalen have, Phillips. We didn't have really anybody. No, Baker played, didn't he? I don't know. I thought I he did. I thought he didn't. Um, then on the, on the offensive side of the ball, we didn't have Devontae, didn't have Fuller, Fuller didn't have Wilson. No. Year two was comments after the game. No. He was asked about chemistry building with your wide receivers, and he pretty much said, he, the, what I'm really excited about is he looks like a leader. Oh, that was the other thing. The reports said, the reports coming out of this camp and stuff has all been just like, like there were quotes from, um, ah, who said it? it was a defense player. might have been Baker. might have been Jerome Baker, where he was like, I think, uh, it was the difference this year is like, two is just his leadership. He's, he'll tell you when you when you mess up and like after a play if it didn't work he'll tell you why it didn't work he's like that's cool like he doesn't you don't have that it's hard for a rookie to come well, in he said two he had two answers to at the press conference that were super exciting oh man he, so they asked him about chemistry with wide receiver he's like yeah whenever those guys want to get back on the field so all it takes is practice we just need to do the reps and I think that's really all it takes to be good in this league is being able to do it over and over again consistently and the more times you're out there and we're working together the better we're gonna be and I was like. That's, like, a good answer, and he's also, like, kind of throwing shade. Like, hey, if you get out on the field and play with me, we're going to be fine. But yeah. if you're not going to play, like, don't play with these guys. These guys are going to get the ball. Like, what do you well, want? that's – and I don't – That's, that's awesome. And that's why we're seeing um, so far in, like, I don't know if you've noticed it, in the – in, like, the preseason, like the, like, the training camp stuff – the names that are, like, getting tossed around aren't, like, it's not Devontae Parker. It's yeah. not, it's not Will Fuller. It's, like, Adam Shaheen, Matt Collins. I don't want those guys to be the main targets, but, like, if they're going to be running every rep because they're practicing and, like, Devontae's constantly, ah, I got to take it easy today, I'm, I don't, all this stuff, like, 
you're not going to get targeted. And I'm okay with it. Because just him being on the field is good enough well, to... Guys like Lynn Bowden and Waddle have explosiveness and can... can if he, he hits and passes to these guys, which... When he, if him and Waddle... He's making the receivers look good. If him and... You know what? I will say the only... Dis- not disappointment, but like hesitation I have... It doesn't feel like Tua and Waddle are as close as I would I would assume that they would be coming from Bama. Like I thought they were gonna be like boys. They don't feel like boys. You feel that too? I think that probably not as much, but I just think that it's so different. Oh, also Waddle, the yeah. punt return. Oh yeah, he looked good. Looked great. Twenty-six yards, just like his cake. He made nothing. He, he turned that nothing. Dude, there was return. he was there was guys all around him, and he just like whoop. Yeah. Twenty-six yards. I was like, is he gonna score? Dude, that's what I'm saying. Like, just get him the ball anywhere. You could throw it behind the line of scrimmage as long as he has the ball. Whoop. Things can happen. Um, and then the other thing Tua said at the press conference that was also awesome. Yes. <laughs> it made me laugh, like literally out loud at the time, laughing thinking about it. He was asked, like, what he thought about Jacoby Brissett and how he did. And Tua said, oh, yeah, Jacoby Brissett, he's a good quarterback. He's out there throwing the ball. Yeah, he's, he seems like a nice guy. I wish him well. <laughs> <laughs> That's Tua going, you're not taking this job. You're not well, playing. You're like, well, listen, again, you have to – the things – Tua for some – He's an alpha, dude. You don't think that. Well, Tua has been in, like, the most – Weird position of any quarterback. Quarterback, like f- starting from when he was in college, right? Like when he makes his debut in a national championship yeah. game, yeah. crazy. Then he takes a job away from a guy, and like even his quotes then at like how old was he? Eighteen, nineteen? Yeah. When he's like talking about how uh, Jalen Hurts had a transfer, and he's like, "Good luck to him. He's a great, great quarterback." But like, this is my team. So it's like it's just who he is. And, like, then he gets hurt in his senior year and comes in behind Fitzpatrick, comes in behind Fitzpatrick like, gets benched because the bet. team is good and they're yeah. trying to make the playoffs while also integrating a rookie quarterback. He didn't have an offseason. So, like, I, the, the people wanting to make judgments on Tua. Drew Locke is going into, like, his – is this Drew Locke's third Four or years. fourth season? I think it's his third. This is his third season. And we're still, like, he's so young. Drew Locke could still be – fuck Drew Locke. Are you kidding me? Tua – so I'm excited, and I think everyone, every Dolphin fan should be. And if you're not, I don't want to talk to you as a Dolphin fan. That's yeah, like fine. why do we gotta get like there? It just feels like there's a really sizable portion of the base that the, already uh, think they are very. He's, he's a bust. Like, he shouldn't even be like they're rooting for him to fail. It's Correct. crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Like how could you be anything but at least hopeful and excited right now? Like it's probably the most hopeful time we've had as Dolphins fans in a long time. I remember Tannehill made his first start against the Texans, and that hopeful feeling I had, and he like immediately got strip sacked and threw three interceptions, and we lost by like twenty five points or whatever. That's not what Tua's been so far. Tua's been a winner as a quarterback in a in his rookie year, coming out facing tremendous adversity, incredible, and so, a lot. And the narrative is always like, do we know oh, when in the national media? The do we know when our always, next game is? Sun, Sunday or Saturday, I don't remember. Um, but the narrative is always stacked, like stacked up against him. So. Yep. And then the Yankees had like one of the most brutal defeats, but then came back to sweep a team, but like barely sweep them. But also well, they didn't beat sweep them. them. Well, no, 
They should have swept. They won the series. They won the series. But yeah, the Field of Dream game was Thursday, and that game just... It was a great game for baseball. I, I, it was really great. I was surprised how many people were watching that game. It was the most watched baseball game in 16 years. That's awesome. Yeah. In the field, like... It was great. The Field of Dream stuff... It was ridiculous and it didn't matter at all. The Field of Dream stuff <laughs> was, was sick. Yeah. Like, I really thought... Pardon the pun. I thought it was going to be so corny. Like... Oh, we're gonna we're playing a baseball game in the middle of Iowa where they filmed funny. the movie. I thought it was funny that they all were coming out of the cornfield and shaking hands with Kevin Costner. Yeah, the, that was kind of weird, but it was funny. But like when they when Kevin Costner when they do the intro and Kevin Costner walks out and he goes to like center field and then he's just like the music's playing and he just looks and then they come out of the corn. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, like, it was cool. well done. Like I was like, oh shit. And then the game itself it was great. They definitely juiced the balls, which I'm fine with, because. Brett Gardner hitting line drive home runs. Like what? What is that? Um, but it but could yeah. just be the air, of God, the Iowa air. Watching balls just fly into the corn. But was it was sick. So, it was so funny. Like when things would happen, and you'd be like, "Wow, Aaron Judge is the first person to homer twice, twice in, in Iowa." In Iowa, and like that's the only thing notable about it. Yeah, it's kind of weird. But the game itself was awesome. And I will say, Iowa might have the most. Gorgeous sunsets of all time. The sky they should find a way. was ridiculous. See, I wouldn't immediately go do another one. An Iowa like Field of Dream games every year. I, well, they're going to. They're, it's already doing I it next year. I would try and do like other baseball historical things. Game. Yeah, like I would. I would say a Sandlot game would <laughs> be really fun. Play a game like, like recreate like a polo grounds yeah, like or play a game. Like that. No, I agree because I was thinking that like all right next year when you do a Field of Dreams game again, play at Cooperstown. You know you can't run out Kevin Costner again because why would he come back for? Yeah. Or maybe he comes back, but he's not going to do that intro. You could have the guys come out of the cornfield, but you can't do it like that. And then it's just becomes it's very quickly going to just become a normal game. Yeah, that's why I'm saying you should. Every year should reserve that game for like something special, and the game should be like, or yeah, just give a team to Iowa <laughs> that plays there. Yeah, like that's your home stadium. That'd be sick. They should do that like more often. Remember backyard baseball? You'd pick your home stadium, and it'd yeah, be, you'd have like the beach. <laughs> they really should like they, baseball, baseball should actually do. Be. They should embrace that. baseball should actually do like an entire. Exhibition series, except they're not exhibitions. Like they're real counting games. There's in sandlots. Yeah, that if every team had one game a year in on like a sandlot field, just in the, like the Yankees play just in the Bronx somewhere, be sick. That'd be awesome, and it would get the sport. Like that'd be great for the sport. Um, so they lose that game in heartbreaking fashion, but then they win the next two in like almost heartbreaking fashion, and. We now sit two and a half games back of the Red Sox and the A's in the wild card race, and it's gonna be a this is gonna be such a grind to the end of the season. You almost really have to win like every single day. <laughs> it's crazy to get like if the division is still on the table, which it is. I mean, teams have had massive runs and terrible collapses, so like it could happen. But in order for it to happen on our end. The only thing that you could do is, like, you playing baseball tonight, it better be W. Every night, there are four or five teams that you're watching going, this Like, the second you go down, you're like, all right, how's everyone else doing? Shit, they're all winning. Like, you, so, 
you can afford to lose a game here and there, but like you can't get swept. But every time you and you say can only that, lose like a series. But every time you say like, okay, you can afford to lose a game here and there, and you take that L, you can afford to lose another one, much less. Correct. Yeah. But the team's getting healthy, and the guys who are playing are playing well. Tyler Wade is finally starting to realize himself. Tyler Wade's nuts. If he just does this for a you've few said months, it. You've said he's it. Like, so he's so useful. He's so good. Yeah. I feel like Cashman must sit there and say the same thing about Tyler Wade. It's the only reason why he's still playing. Like, man, this guy could be so good. If he just would not suck. And he hasn't sucked for the last, like, two weeks. No, he's been great. And Brett Gardner's been useful. Brett Gardner's been great, too. Which is crazy. So it is. It's been weird times. We've been winning with everyone hurt. We have no pitchers. We have no starters. We barely we have, have an offense. Bullpen. The bullpen is trying to lose games, like actively. It feels that way. <laughs> no one can get out besides Johnny Lasagna, Lasagna. Who also has had his moments. Like, Chad Green is not Chad Green anymore. He's still good, but like... It's a competency. Zach Britton might as well retire. That's how bad he looks. We're somehow still convinced Licky is good. So we keep putting him in ridiculous spots. I don't know. Wandy Peralta has surprisingly become one of the best relievers we have. Which He's, is tragic. It's nuts. We should find uh, Talkman on the free agency. Get him back. I don't want Talkman. Yeah, the Giants. He's yeah, not the Miners. Right? No, he's just nowhere. Aww. He's not good. He's good. He's probably can't play as good as Brett Gardner has been playing, <laughs> if you think about it. I guess. And I'm an anti-Gardner guy, but, like, Gardner's been... Gardner's been great. Oh, boy. <laughs> he saw 22% of the pitches Giolito threw yesterday. So you asked me about playing fall ball, but we should find a handball league. Handball? I was looking at, hand, like, adult handball leagues. Is that a I thing? Mean, we could dominate handball. I don't know. You, I'd be, that may be surprised how many, like... If we're on a team... If there were good people playing handball... We'd be the best, I think. How many people are on a team in handball? Five, I, I believe five. That's too many. It's four I like a, I want, like, a... Oh, okay. I don't mind that, then. Right? Four's a good number. Just I don't want to be a goalie, height. though. No, I'm not goalie. I'd have sick, like, a I, I was... We were nasty in high school. <laughs> like, when we play handball in high school, there was some... Ooh, some good right. goals. Well, that's after the Squirt Sports. Hey, this is my show. Oh, sorry. All right, that was after <laughs> the Squirt Sports. Bye.